You say the game is getting old Monday morning and your coffee's cold Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and we have another great show. I mean, it's it's pretty easy on this show to have great shows because you get great authors, you get great books. The show is easy from there, right? I mean, I have the easiest job in the world. I just, just read great books, just I visit with great authors and we get to help a world at the same time. It's pretty awesome. And speaking of all of you who are watching us live uh, streaming or watching us on uh, DBTV uh, all over the world, um, hey, thanks for watching. If you're listening to us on radio, thanks for listening. If you're listening to us by podcast, you know what? There, don't stop driving. Just listen and then take notes after, okay? Just do that as well. Hey, listen, here's the deal. You know, the truth of the matter is, you know, you we all are working and we're in business. Many of you who listen to the show, of course, are CEOs and founders and owners of businesses and entrepreneurs. And, and you know, let's be honest. There are no real business problems. I say this to my clients all the time, my business clients. I say, there are no real business problems. They're just personal problems that infiltrate business. And the, and the truth of the matter is, if your family's a mess, you're limiting your success. Don't you love that rhyme? I did that. Yeah, right? If your family's a mess, you're limiting your success. It's just the truth, right? Well, you know what? If we don't take care of our family and ourselves, we are really doing a disservice to our work, right? Whatever that work may be, right? And that's the work that you do in your job or your career, but it's also the work that you're doing at home, all right? Well, today's author that I'm going to be visiting with, Aaron Shelley, wrote this great book. It's called The Family Flywheel. Flywheel. I'm like, oh, let me try that again. The Family Flywheel. You know, Aaron, you didn't tell me that there was going to be a tongue twister when I said that out loud. The secret business principles successful families use to create sustained wealth and happiness. Uh, available bookstores everywhere around you. Um, grab a copy. It's it's outstanding. Um, we're going to be talking to him today, this because this is really a powerful. Um, this is a this is a powerful book, and Aaron has a just really analyze this from several different angles uh, that was going to really help you. So do take notes, unless you're driving, don't do that. I don't want you to do that. We're going to get right with him in a second here. But before we do that, let's do what we do every week. You know, we're four-part people. We're physical, mental, emotional, spiritual people. And the truth of the matter is, if we are not working on ourselves every day, we never stay static. In fact, if we're not growing, we're dying. It's just the truth. Right, so what we're going to do is, and we do this every week, is evaluate yourself on a scale of one to ten in each four of these areas. Right, one being couldn't get any worse, ten being oh man, it can't get any better. Right, five being average in each area. So here's how it works. So we take the physical, for instance, on a scale of one to ten, how would you rate yourself when it comes to eating right, getting enough exercise, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep? Five being average, what's the number? Right, whatever that number is. Right, I don't want you to get alarmed and say, well, I'm a two. Okay, let's just call that a starting point, right? Because all they want you to do is get from a 2 to a 2.5, right? So what can you do right now to change your physical person from a 2 to a 2.5? If you're 7, you know, it's a little tougher. So how can you get from a 7 to 7.25? What could you do right now to tweak that, to move up? Right? That's your first number. Second number is your mental intellectual number. And my wife says this all the time. You know what? You cannot be a couch potato and just think that somehow information is, you're going to absorb that information and somehow you're going to grow in knowledge and wisdom and understanding of the world and you and relationships and everything else. Now, you have to be an active participant, right? And we have a right brain and a left brain. And as a psychological professional, I'm, you know, we got to work both halves, right? And we, the right side's creative, the left side's logical, right? Some, a great way to do that is read a book. 
It's a really great way to do that. But there's other things you could do. Take up a foreign language, learn an instrument, uh, read, read and read things to enhance your growth mentally and intellectually. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate yourself there? Okay, that's your second number. Third number is the emotional number. And I, I break this down. We could talk about emotional quotients and emotional intelligence. And Daniel Goleman has written all sorts of things, as well as a number of other people, like Carol Dweck, who we're going to probably talk about on this show, um, with regards to mindsets. And that affects our emotions as well. And the truth of the matter is it's two things. One is how well are you able to control your emotions under stress and pressure, right? And when you're hangry. You know what I mean when I say hangry, right? And then the, the second is, how well are you able to tap into and understand the emotions of others? Right? Now, now let me just say this about the second piece, right? If you really want to have a successful family, I don't think Aaron is going to disagree with me at all on this, but you should be able to tap into and understand the emotions of the other people that you live with in your family. Because that's yep. going to make your life a whole lot easier. So on a scale of 1 to 10, evaluating those two things, what, what number would you give yourself? All right, that's the third number, fourth number, the spiritual number. And I know that some of you are out there and going, I am not spiritual. Well, we all are. You remove the physical, the mental, and the emotional. What you have left is the spiritual part of yourself. It's the, that part of your soul. It's that part of the spirit, the human spirit, right? That we connect with something beyond ourselves. And we all live by faith, by the way, right? I mean, the truth of the matter is you push the button on your car and you believe it was going to start. You sipped your cup of coffee this morning and you believe that it wasn't poisonous. You walked across the street when the sign said walk and believe that the cars weren't going to hit you. We all live by faith every day. You made plans for the future, believing that they're going to happen. That's faith, right? But the bigger question is what brings you back to a place of peace in the midst of chaos, right? Is it God? Is it nature? Is it meditation? Is it something else? And then the question you have to ask yourself, is it working for you? And on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate yourself spiritually? All right. Those four areas are like tire air in the tires of your car. The truth of the matter is, if one tire is too low, what happens? The car veers, it doesn't run right, it's harder to control, and you can't keep yourself on course. And if all four tires are too low, right, eventually we're going to ruin the car. But speaking of someone who's got his tires all to the right level, his name is Aaron Shelley. He has a Bachelor of Science degree in Mechanical Engineering and an MBA. Over the course of his career, he's worked with many small businesses and startups where he's developed a unique system uh, a unique systems perspective on marketing operations and customer support, sales, and product development. His work in the academic and business worlds have led him to understand how related our family dynamics are to business dynamics. And he's going to join us today with his book, The Family Flywheel, The Secret Business Principles Successful Families Use to Create Sustained Wealth and Happiness. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show and welcome to the first time, Aaron Shelley. Welcome to A New Direction. Welcome, Aaron. Thanks a lot, Jay. I'm excited to be here. Good. Well, you know, we're going to just dig right into this book. <laughs> so let's dig in to it. Uh, um, you lay this book out in three sections, and uh, which I, I think is appropriate here. But I want to just start in section one called The Fundamental Family System. And chapter one is entitled, Why Are Some Families Wealthy and Others Are Not? And you make a comparison, and I thought this was an interesting comparison. And you start off by giving some examples of Walmart and Kmart and Google and Yahoo. And it, it's interesting, right? Because Walmart, you talked about, you know, at, there was a point there that Kmart was much bigger and successful than Walmart. Yahoo had a chance to uh, get by Google, actually, and they chose not to. So help us understand the comparison between 
these businesses and the fundamental family system? Yeah. So my big, <clears throat> my big thing that I'm looking at is just the relationship. And I look at businesses and you're going, Google was a technology company. Yahoo was a technology company. They had very similar, they had some similar strategies, but then how their culture and their structure affected those things. And even what their mission was, I think Yahoo was more like, Hey, we're trying to make money. Google was like, we're trying to organize the world's data. Mm -hmm. And so just that that core, what I call those three, the strategy, structure, and culture, that's the business model. And they just had these different business models. And a lot of times people will be like, well, I didn't have enough money. You know, I don't have enough money. That's my problem in life. And you're like, no, Yahoo had more money. They had more engineers on every metric. Yahoo was in a better spot than Google, except for their business model. Mm. And it's the same. And then if you look at Walmart and Kmart, same type of thing. Kmart was much bigger, Walmart was smaller, and yet the business model of Walmart, the way they ran the business, their strategy, how they, they positioned themselves, their culture, it was very different and Walmart crushed Kmart. Mm. And then I like to take those two and you're like, but there's a big difference between Google and Walmart. They're both very successful companies, but they have very different business models mm. in terms of how they use the resources and what they're trying to accomplish. So that's why I like to, you know, juxtapose those two is just so you could see, hey, there's, there's the, it's not resources. It's not what you have in life. It's how you use it and what you do with the things you do have that makes it, that makes the big difference. It's not, well, they're, they're richer than me. Rich people are always better off. There's a whole bunch of data that shows that's untrue. Mm -hmm. So that's really what I want to show is it's not about what you have necessarily. It's about how you use it. So you dive right into, in this chapter, talking about business models and resources. And you talk about that every company uses three different types of resources in an attempt to make a profit. Financial resources, social resources, and human resources. Mm -hmm. So let's start here. I think that's a good place to start since that's where you started in the book. Uh, <laughs> I think it's appropriate. Um, unless you would rather start with the business model as with the three core parts, strategy, uh, structure, and culture. But maybe... Maybe we should start with resources that we have available to us in our family unit. Maybe that's a good spot to start. What do you think? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, this is what the whole thing, since it's a cycle, that's the whole thing. You know, this, my work is definitely um, derivative a little bit uh, from, oh, what's his name? I can't get, he wrote, he wrote a lot of the business books on flywheel effect. Oh, James, uh, Collins, Jim Collins. Yeah. Good to great, Good right? To great, yeah. That was all about this flywheel effect. So that's kind of where I, I, I like that idea. And so, yeah, when you start with resources, you have your financial resources, your money, your home, your property, your tools, all those type of things. And you can use those in specific ways. Then you have your relationships, right? Whether it's your one-on-one -on -one relationships, whether it's your group relationships, could be a sports team, a religious organization, part of a, the companies you're part of. And then you have your brand or reputation, and those are really the social resources. And then the last piece you have is your human resources, which are your skills and abilities, your health, and your time. Mm -hmm. And we all have the same amount of time. Of course, there's some issues with health and right. skills, but all these things can be developed and used. And those are so those are really like the the fuel that you can use in your business model um, to become successful. And it's not about the resources, like I say. You're trying to develop resources, but it's about how you use what you have. Because we all have time. We all have some relationships, those type of things. That makes sense? No, it makes complete sense. And then at the core of it, though, is the three of the business model is the strategy, the structure, and the culture. So help us understand that a little more clearly when it relates to the family. 
Yeah. So the, the business model is really the engine, right? That's producing resources. It's not the resources themselves. So that you have a strategy, which is what's your mission, what's your purpose. And then you start to get into breaking that down into well, what's your vision. And then, you know, what are the derivative pieces of that? Like what's your day to day, what's your quarterly goals, those type of things that would be in your strategy. Then you have your structure, the structures, how are you organizing your business or your family? You know, am I the, the CEO? Am I a co-founders? Um, and then how do we, what roles are we going to play in that business unit? You know, since you're an entrepreneur, you know, roles are very flexible. Yes, and you yes, kind of are. Like what needs to happen? We're going to do it. Yeah, I'll figure it out. That's my favorite four words. I'll figure it out. It's what, it's what I usually is my, is my fallback. Uh, a lot of people, you know, when we talk about wealth, you kind of have a different um, explanation of what wealth is. Typically, we think of financial resources, and they are an essential part of wealth. But when we talk about wealth, or when you talk about wealth in the family well, what are we really talking about when we say wealth? When I, I look at holistic wealth, if you're a, a billionaire and your family hates you, you have no good relationships, <laughs> and your health is, you know, you have cancer because you didn't take care of your body, is that really wealth? You know, I, I wouldn't trade I wouldn't be like, yeah, I want to trade positions with that person. I'd be like that. They, they're poorer than I am in some ways. Right. And I think a lot of people make these trade-offs where they're like, well, I don't want to have any kids. <sighs> okay. Well, that's a social connection. And that's a connection to a lot of things in our life that you're now excluded from. Mm-hmm. And so it's really like, how do you do those balancing pieces of your health and your wealth, your financial wealth, as well as having social relationships. I mean, the, the older I've gotten, I mean, I was an engineer. I played a lot of sports and I was just like, you got to get good. So anyone cares. But as you get older, you're like, it's the relationships that really matter. Once you get past a point in wealth, it's like, what am I going to do with it? Right. I want to go help other people. I want to go, you know, strengthen relationships. I want to help my kids and all those relate. If those relationships are bad, I have a lot of money and my kids hate me. Well, what was the point in all your working then? Right. Just so that you could, you know, spend it, live on a yacht alone. (laughs) Like you find such, uh, they're just not very fulfilling relationships that a lot of people have if they ignore those core relationships in their life. And, you know, here's the thing, you know, as a, as a coach, uh, who coaches a variety of different people, you know, I run into all the time that when the family unit is not functioning well, that they're also not functioning well. They, they, they try to compartmentalize it, mm-hmm. right? There's an attempt to compartmentalize it, but, but there's always stuff that leaks through. It, it, do, do you know what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it, it's, it's just not possible to completely compartmentalize your, your, your personal family life from your business life. There is something that always leaks through and, and, Talk talk about that for a second. Well, I mean, if you look at my whole thing is kind of the merging of those things. Like if you're in your family and you like to treat everyone like crap because you think, oh, I'm the dad. I make the money. Screw you. My wife's a piece of crap. You know, that is the exact same behavior people will try to do in business. Right. I'm the the owner. I own this. You guys all suck. I'm better than all you. I know all this stuff. (laughs) Right. So you see this, it's, it's a one-to-one overlap. And I think a lot of people try to live kind of a dualistic lifestyle or business. I act like a piece of crap and or home. I act like a crap, you know, and, and then you're just like, why are you treating people in business differently than you treat them at home? Right. 
You know, like, are your employees, you want to treat your kid like crap, but you're like, well, I need to take care of my employees. Why? Right. Why do you care more about that relationship? Well, because that's about money. I'm like, well, then all you're looking at is everyone is just a mode to get you or a way for you to get money. Right. And so to me, it's much more the integration. When I've managed teams, um, it's all about, I, I look at most of the people under me and I'm like, they're like my kids. I want them to succeed. I want them to do well. I want them just like my, I mean, I have four kids, but I'm like, I want my kids to do better than I am. Sure. You know, it's not this scarcity mentality. It's more, if they're amazing, it gives me an opportunity to move up the ladder. You know, right. if you don't have replacement in your business, you're like, I'm a great manager, but all my people underneath me are retards because that's how I maintain my authority. And then you find out you can't really get promoted because there's no one to fill this hole that you've created. Mm. And so I see this as like people trying to live two ways. But if you holistically view them and you're like, why should we treat employees well and our kids like crap? Why should we treat our co-founder well, but our wife like crap? Mm. You know, it's like, and then you look at like hiring, you're like, well, when I'm trying to find a new co-founder, I'm going to be very focused on what I'm looking for, how to do it. And then when I get married, I'm just going to go, oh, she's hot. You know, like, why aren't you thinking through the same things? Like, what am I trying to get? And what is she trying to get? And are we a good match? She may be phenomenal, beautiful, but not a match for me. Right. And so to me, there's just a overlap almost entirely of these principles. And the more you try to compartmentalize, the more it just doesn't make sense. And your brain's going... I don't know. We're, you know. How do I treat this person? Right, I'm an right, authority right. and I'm in business and I can treat him like crap. So I'm doing that. Yeah. So this is, this is where, you know, I think when you start putting this model together and I, I really do really did like the idea of thinking about, you know, this model in terms of, you know, Hey, listen, I've got these core parts of, you know, strategy, structure, and culture when, and, and I, I really want to dig into these on, at more depth here. Because there, there is an alignment thing that has to happen in the same way that you have to have alignment in your business. You have to have alignment in your, in your family life too, regardless of what your family is, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because you do, you do go through, I mean, extensively, by the way, <laughs> you, you go through about every single scenario you can from the jobs that you have to the types of families that exist and the pros and the cons of each. But there has to be an alignment between the structure, the, the strategy, and the culture, doesn't there? Yeah. I mean, that, that's where you look at going back to the Walmart and Google. If you look at Google, their strategy is we're trying to organize the world's data. And then their structure is they've actually tried to remove as many managers as possible. They're constantly playing with it. It's like we're going to hire the smart people and let them manage themselves. And their culture is all about innovation, freedom, responsibility. You know, they're like, you do your best work at 3 a.m., do your best work at 3 a.m. <laughs> and then you contrast that with Walmart. And it's like their culture is we have to have people at the right time in the right places. It's much more about obedience or following the rules and about being <clears throat> treating the customers really well. And your work is much less dependent on when do you want to do it? You want to work at 3 a.m.? Sorry, your shift is from <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, 8, right. 8, 8, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And so their cultures are very different in that respect. The structure is also different because the Walmart people are not hiring people who have gone through PhD programs and these really high-level people. They're hiring very low-level people. So they need a lot more top-down structure. They need a lot more systems to help them. They offer things like college assistance, which would be much more encouraging <laughs> to Walmart people than it would to someone at Google. And so you just look at those and you're like, 
if you took any one of those pieces, you take Walmart's strategy and you give it to Google, it's a bust. If you take Google's structure of freedom and, and no management and give it to Walmart, it's blowing up. And if you take you know, the culture of Walmart, move it to Google, and now it's a top down and there's a lot of uh, managers and stuff, all the engineers would leave. So that's where you look at this alignment, like you have to have alignment in the business. And then if you look in the family, it's the same. Like we need someone to take care of the family's healthcare and those type of things. We need someone who's providing income for the family. It could be both people, you could split it up, but it has to get taken care of. And a lot of like, I did mechanical engineering and business. My wife did music, dance, theater. <laughs> There's no overlap in skills. <laughs> no, there isn't. <laughs> but but that's great. Like just like in business, I don't want a CEO and another CEO. I want a CEO and a marketing executive, right. or I want marketing and product. I want to have the complementary skill set in a business. And the same thing applies to families. You want complements. You're not looking for overlap in skills. That's beautiful. His name is Aaron Shelley. The, the book, The Family Flywheel. The Secret Business Principles Successful Families Use to Create Sustained Wealth and Happiness. You're listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, listen, Epic Physical Therapy, uh, whether you're recovering from an injury, surgery, suffering everyday aches and pains, maybe having difficulty performing activities of daily living, or maybe you're a professional athlete, you just want to improve the way you move and, and do your sport. Listen, uh, the uh, elite team at Epic Physical Therapy will provide you with a customized treatment plan for you. So when you're ready for your epic relief, your epic recovery, and your epic results, don't look any further. Go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors for more than 38 years, they have been helping people transition in life. And you say, wait, I thought they do real estate. Yeah, well, that's true, except think about it. every place you've ever lived has been in a transition in life somewhere. And for 38 years, their clients called them the legends of customer service because they've helped those people find the right place and help them take the stress out of that move as best as they can from their perspective. So when you're ready to make your next transition in life, don't look any further. Go to Linda Craft Team Realtors. That's lindacraft.com. It's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot and we're back here on A New Direction with Aaron Shelley and his book, The Family Flywheel. And uh, we're just getting started in here. We've just kind of covered briefly chapter one. Um, uh, I, I told Aaron I've got about 22 pages of notes. We will. It is going to be impossible for us to get through all of them today. Uh, but uh, the, the book is a, is a great, insightful read um, to help you develop your family, wherever you are, I mean, whatever your family is, right? Whether you're a single parent, and I was one, um, uh, as many were, uh, so you might be a blended family, you might be married, cohabitating, whatever the case may be. Aaron covers it all in this book. It's uh, it's very comprehensive. Um, one of the things that you talk about in chapter two is how the wealthy invest in themselves and their human resources. And uh, you break this down into uh, abilities and, and, and health. And so exercise, sleep, maintenance, exposure, uh, relaxation, spiritual health, mental health. Let's just kind of dig into this a little bit because I think, you know, we don't think about our human resources. And I want to talk about abilities for a second because you make a great statement right away when it comes to abilities. You say we all have abilities and we all have more abilities than we think. And that really struck me because I don't think people really know what abilities they are. Talk about the human resources. And let's talk about some of these human resources. Let's start with abilities. 
Yeah. So the the basic ability, I'm trying to, I don't remember the author, but he was talking and he just said, if you speak English, that's an ability that's useful in our society. <laughs> right. I mean, like there's so many fundamental things. If you can show up on time, that's an ability. If you can get things done, just follow through. These are abilities. And a lot of times people don't realize what those are. You can use your phone, you can use, do math. So there's very basic abilities, but then you start to get into you know, like, have you researched, I mean, I got, that's why I love Robert Kiyosaki's work where he talks about, you know, you're trying to work for, not, don't work for money, work for knowledge, because you got to understand the market before you can go buy real estate. If you don't understand real estate, you can lose your shirt. If you don't understand the stock market, you'll lose your shirt. Like it's, it's all about investing in your information. So you know what to do. And if you, because if you don't know what to do, then you can't make good decisions. It's not like buying real estate. I mean, I know from experience, I bought real estate right before the downturn in 2008 and lost a good chunk of money. Yep. And sometimes there's just cycles there and you can't predict them. That's the nature of the market. But if you're, if you don't understand it, then you're just at much at a much higher risk of doing those things. And, and you do talk about this and I, I'm really so glad that you brought this up because I love the fact that you did. You know, I know that there's a correlation. And by the way, folks, correlation is not causation. I know that the media and everybody else wants you to believe that if two things are correlated, that one caused the other. And we have this belief. One it, Correlation means that two things run in the same direction, right? One way or another, they run in an opposite direction, you know, or there is no correlation, meaning that it doesn't mean anything. And typically what we what you talked about here, and I'm so glad that you did, was that, you know, college has been correlated with higher income levels. However, it doesn't guarantee a higher income level and people, and I love micro people shouldn't rule out community college or trade school to develop their abilities. Can we talk about that just for a second here? Just because I just think it's an important thing that I want families to understand and people to understand that college is not your only way out. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I do want to say I did build a program. My, my kids were going to this college and I built this program to optimize their schedules. So I actually researched every single college major and every single class they had to take and put it into the program and made it so it all scheduled it out. And one of the things I realized is there's just a ton of majors that have no business, in my opinion, being in college. There's no chance taught, of you making I taught money. college. I taught college and there's nurse majors that shouldn't be in college. I'm just going to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. So you get it. I mean, I had one woman who worked for me at a different job. She had no degree. She was great at what she did. And then she was graduating college. I'm like, are you going to switch over to that? She's like, well, I would take a pay cut. And I was like, that's fine if that's your direction and your goal, but I don't understand why you would devote that amount of, right. again, resources. You took your money, you took your time, you took your, your uh, effort and you pulled it, pushed it into something that didn't have a good return. And so that's where I think for some degrees, I mean, I did engineering. It's hard to become a mechanical engineer without it. I mean, Elon Musk did it somehow, but there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> and it's like, you know, there's it's all the calculus and all the physics and those type of things. Yeah. So there's some degrees that require it or, or it's super useful. But then you get into other places where it's like, did you need that? Did right. you need that degree to start a business? Did you need an MBA? I mean, I got an MBA. It was more out of interest. And I was like, I was going there to learn. But a lot of people are like, well, I want to go to MBA so I learn how to start a business. Right. No, start a business, then you'll go through all the problems. And then the amount of time invest, if you're going to spend whatever, 30, 50, a hundred thousand dollars, just 
think of it in terms of that's investing in your education. Right. And there's a number of entrepreneurs that kind of go down that path. They're like, why am I sitting in college learning from people who don't know how to start a business? Because right. that's why they're here. <laughs> right. How to start a business. Right, right. You know, and so it's these weird dynamics. And so college in and of itself can be useful if strategically, if it matches your goals. Right. But then you get into the trade schools and we have such a... Uh, there's so many people who want the white collar jobs. And right. then you look at it going, well, now there's this lack of blue collar jobs. So right. the freaking market's going like crazy. I mean, those guys, I've met welders and plumbers and electricians. They're like, dude, I make 100, 150, 200 grand. You know, I want to go work up in Alaska. I can make 300 grand a year as an electrician. Yeah. And it's like, what are we talking about? Then you can go like, oh, I got my degree in you know, philosophy. Okay. You can go make $40,000. Right, like right. the same you could have made before. What was your purpose? You know, if you're going to be a lawyer, maybe that's a good path. If you're right. not, maybe bad. Right. So I think it's really like, what is your strategy? And that's kind of why I went in the book very in depth. Like what is your strategy and what is the structure and culture that you're trying to play with? Because those are super important. You know, like you want to be right. a doctor, but you want to have a bunch of kids now. <laughs> it's it's going to be rough. <laughs> right. Money's going to be super tight right. unless you've got some benefactor who's paying for everything. Right. So that's really where I see it. It's like, what strategy? And have you just thought through it? I just find that most kids <clears throat> seem to like, I'm going to college. What's your degree? I'm, I'm an open major. What? Right. So you're, you're paying whatever, twenty, forty thousand $40,000 a year to figure out what you want to study. And the reality, when I've researched all the majors, if you want to do any of the harder majors that actually have good outcomes, like my major mechanical engineering, if you did not take calculus your first semester and then right. calc two your next semester, there was no way you're graduating in four years. Right. It was, you had to do class after class and dependencies. Right. And so then you find people who are like, I'm open. And then it takes them a year or two to figure it out. All right, now your degrees are useless that are left, but you've spent the amount as if you were going to get a useful one. Yeah, yeah. It's, so just... it's, it's really just the alignment of, do you just think about what your school, your goals and strategy are because blue collar, they can make such good money. I, I used to work at a company. We did roofing. Um, we did a roofing CRM. We had so many of these guys. The owners are like pulling down half a million. <laughs> You're just like, I should start that. That right. sounds pretty good. Well, so, how, how can parents help their child? Because I mean, I mean, you and I have to be honest, right? I mean, I have no inclination to be a mechanical engineer. I never had an inclination to be a mechanical engineer. I, w I was very much interested in psychology. I was in interested in, in cell reforms. I was interested in industrial organizational piece of psychology and human behavior. And I really wanted to understand that. And I knew that it was going to take me to get a bachelor's degree. And then uh, I went into the science end of psychology, yeah. right? Uh, because I was interested in the experimentation and the statistical part of it. How do parents encourage this? I mean, what... What is the way that they can encourage them, their their young person, in a right direction uh, for them? Well, I I think it's up to the parents to, like for me, I mean, we had a very broad range. I've, since I've done business and science and engineering, um, oddly enough, my first daughter, she was very interested in biology, which wasn't my big thing. And so it's like, well, what are her interests? Mm -hmm. And I look at it kind of like a of a Venn diagram. What are your interests? What can you make money at? And what fits the life that you want? Mm. And you're trying to find those because if you get into a job that makes good money, but you're not getting the life you want, right? well, then you're going to be miserable. I see a lot of women who go and do the legal profession, go up in the, and then by the time they're 30, they're like, I hate my job. Mm. 
And so it's like, what are you interested in? Where's this overlap? And so with my daughter, you know, it was kind of like, how do we find that? She was interested in biology. She was like maybe veterinarian. I mean, I gave her all the skills to do tech. She could have done programming. She right. took programming classes. She's like, I don't want to do it. Right. So then she goes, well, I want to do this. And so I talked to my brother-in-law. This is where I think you leverage your assets, your social assets, level people, lever I, lever I uh, leverage people in my church. I was raising my hand like, I don't know anything about healthcare, <laughs> but it seems like this could be a good option. Right. And then a guy's like, hey, I actually am a counselor at a local university in helping people through that. I could tell you about it. Mm. And then my brother-in-law, he did podiatry. And so we talked to him and he's like, well, probably not a doctor if you want to have kids, because that can be really hard. Most women go through the doctor path and they're like, you're aging, your eggs are aging. <laughs> they, <laughs> they get a job and then immediately go part time and have kids. Right. And he's like, that that path's not great. But he's like, there's this, you know, uh, you can be a, a nurse anesthetist where you work under an anesthesiologist or a nurse anesthesiologist where you work under an anesthesiologist. And so you can be a nurse. And so we, we talked through it and found that path. But it's really leveraging your resources, looking at their interests and looking at friends and looking where they can make money. Because, I mean, kids are stupid. I was. <laughs> Maybe you were great. Oh, no, no, like, no, 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 Aaron. No, <laughs> no, Aaron. There is there is a large sign uh, in my high school and university that says uh, stupid. I'm on the stupid ring of fame uh, in both of those. So. <laughs> Um, they, they retired my, they retired my sweater, uh, at both schools. So no, so you go ahead. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, that's where we're all like, we're just following what we think, what parents and teachers, I mean, my, there were some of my, uh, daughter's teachers who were like, you should be a doctor. Cause you love this stuff in her biology and stuff. Well, she didn't want it. That didn't fit her lifestyle or the, right. the life plan she had. Right. So that's where it's like, you have to be able to resist people telling you what they think you should do right. because they're trying to go down their path, their strategy. And so a lot of it's when my kids, it's like working with them and saying, let's look at the options, which ones make sense and then help them explore it. Mm. I mean, I bought a microscope for my kids and I bought a dissection kit for my daughter. It's like, try to push the interest a little bit. I mean, right. I just had a daughter she's interested in. She's probably, she's doing nursing as well, but she's like, she loves to grow things. And I'm like, well, I'm going to buy some plant stuff. It's like kind of help them with their interests and find people who can help them with their interests because there's so many opportunities out there yeah. for them to go like, oh, that does spark my interest. Oh, like I had my daughter taking classes on Coursera when she was probably 14 about biology and about the hearts and about all these things. And it's from college professors who are super excited and doing research, right. not somebody in high school who's like, I've taught biology for the past 20 years and right. I hate you stupid kids, <laughs> or maybe I love you, but they just don't have the, the energy. They don't of, have the fire. Yeah. Of, and the fire. So that's where I think the job of the parent is like, it's not trying to tell you, you have to go down this path, which people do. It's more like, where's the intersection and how do I, how do I stay on my kid's side? Like I always view myself as I want to be a rocket booster for my kids, but I don't want to, I don't want to be on the steering wheel. Like they need to drive, but I'm trying to push them forward and help them go forward faster. That's beautiful. Uh, let's move on to the importance of health. I, I, you know, I think people, I think we intuitively know that our health is important, but we generally don't do a very good job of taking our health. I mean, you and I, 
we're both athletes. Now, I know that you have this thing about football. I played it till I was 33 and loved every minute of it. Okay. And, and if they would, it is a beautiful game. And if they would, I love it. And I'm I'm just telling you right now, if they would let me play with a metal knee, I would play. Okay. I would still be playing because I loved, I love the game so much, but, but, but health is physical, mental, spiritual health is really, really critical to not only being successful in your family, but also being successful in whatever you choose to do. So help us help us understand some of the key point components to health in in those areas. Yeah. So when I look at the physical health side, it's really what are you trying to do with your body? I mean, I I look at like Henry Cavill, and I'm like, dude, that guy's beautiful. That's amazing. <laughs> right, right, Arnold. Right, right, right. And I'm like, I kind of wish I could be like that, but then I'm like, yeah, I. Man, it's a lot of calories and that's a lot of maintenance. <laughs> so there's an appreciation, but I look at it going, what am I trying to do in my life, in my strategy? So I'm like, well, I don't want to get huge, but I want to maintain my health. And, you know, all the literature on men as they age and women as they age, right. you know, you need to, your muscle mass goes away, your metabolism has goes goes down and then you have larger problems. So a lot of it's just maintaining the area you're trying to be at. Right. You know, like some people will just get into running and I'm like, Okay, how long are you going to run? And then it's taking up all their time. They're like, oh, I did a half marathon. I'm doing a marathon. I'm like, is this helping towards your goals, or is this just right. something you got addicted to because of right. the <laughs> adrenaline and chemicals? Right. And so I think a lot of the health again is how is this fitting into my overall what I'm trying to do in life? Mm. You know, I I played volleyball usually regularly. I ski. I try to I walk usually um, weekly. And so it's this whole how are you keeping your body in good shape? You're not trying to build yourself into a supercar, right? You know, right? Because that you're just trying to do the things you want. So I think of that from a physical, the emotional and like mental. A lot of that is overlap. Like you see people who don't take care of their physical, and then they have mental problems. Mm. Or there's another piece where a lot of times they don't have social connections, mm. right? It's very important for humans to be socially connected, to be feel like they're in a tribe, to feel like they have some backup. And so if they don't have those social connections, those social resources, a lot of times you'll see mental right. issues there as well. Yeah. So a lot of it's like if you take care of your mental or your your social connections and you take care of your physical health, a majority of the mental stuff just goes away. You know, I've heard doctors say, right, can I prescribe exercise right. and then we'll see what's left of right. the problems. Right. And so I think there's that mental health you got to worry about. And then the spiritual health, I, I view it, I mean, I'm... I'm religious, so there's a purpose there that I've, I have. But even for people who don't, it's like, what is your personal mission in life? Why do you exist? And if you're aligned with that, like when I was, a, when I'm like, my job is to be a father and teach my kids, then I can go scuba diving with my family. And I feel such fulfillment of my purpose because I feel like it's aligned. And I can go to work and I'm like, my job is to serve people and to help them be better, you know, roofers or do these things. And then when it's happening, I'm like, I feel so fulfilled. So it's really about making sure your energy is being is uh, going towards what you think your purpose and mission are. Mm-hmm. That's where I see this, the, the physical and the spiritual and the emotional health really playing together. Yeah. And I, I think, I think there's, I think there's been, you know, there's been a lot written on working from home and, and I understand it. Trust me. I, 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 there's been a lot working, but there's, there's three things that I, two of those three things for sure that get are difficult. And that is, Oftentimes people don't get enough exercise because they're sitting behind a desk or a computer, right? Mm-hmm. Which I have to be very careful of because what I do is pretty sedentary. I sit behind a desk. <laughs> and so I have to work out every day. That's why I built a you know gym in my garage. 
And then, you know, the, the other thing is I have to force myself to go out because I got to have the social connections. And, and I, I, and I often wonder if while I, while I understand all the benefits of working from home, I do it. While I understand all that, I also know that I have to be extraordinarily intentional about doing those other things to take care of myself. And I mm-hmm. think that could be problematic. Don't, do you not agree? Oh, I completely agree. I, I kind of call remote work like high fructose corn syrup in terms of it feels good, but then you, you're disconnected from work. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that I've, I did have a work from home when I started my last job and I was like, I just want to go into the office. So it was me and another guy, even though the company had 20 people, I'm like, I just like the structure of going in, right. interacting. And then that guy was like, man, we are so much more productive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, if you're doing innovation, innovative work, just not having the lag increases your productivity by massive amounts. Now, if you're just doing like coding or you're doing some very basic things, even coding can be hard. Right. You need the collaboration. But if you're just like customer service rep, you can do it. But then to your point, you have to be intentional. Like now I'm finding myself isolated. I mean, a COVID right. was a great example. It's like, yeah. how many mental health issues did we have yeah. come out of isolating everyone from each other? Right. And now we're like, I don't know. I feel like I haven't been, I mean, there's a whole research in the brain right. I'm reading a book called change your brain, change your life by yep. Daniel Amen. And he's great, just great like, book. he's like, humans need to be touched. They need to interact yes. with things. And you look at this, like now let's isolate everyone and do an experiment. <laughs> and you, I mean, there's, a, and so that's where I see, like, even if they, you know, they've done experiments with orphanages where they don't, the kids aren't touched. They've done experiments where they yes. don't touch kids. And a lot of times they just die. Like yes. this is a, a, a a fundamental need of humans. And unless you're very intentional, you just kind of pull back and become very reclusive. You lose your social skills, you yes. lose your interactions and psychologically it's, it causes some damage, I think. So I think it's very careful with remote work. I, there's aspects I love. I like the yes. flexible where I, I can too. work at home. And then if I have to do it, I can, you know, go into the office most of the time, but then work a little bit from home when I have kids I need to pick up, but right. not being connected to people, it just makes it so you're like, I don't know, these aren't really, like, right. I felt like a lot of people I never saw in person, they were just like, I had the same relationship mentally with people that I saw on TV. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, they exist, I guess. Yeah. Right. I, I, I am, I'm, I get very concerned. I've been very, very concerned about people who started getting isolated and then they stayed isolated and mm-hmm. because it's so easy to spiral down and there's no way. And I'm just saying this from a as psychological professional's standpoint. There's no way you can be productive if you're spiraling down personally because you're isolated. Just It just doesn't happen. It's just not effective. You can't be an effective employee. You can't be an effective boss. You can't be an effective uh, anything, uh, regardless of being an entrepreneur or whatever it is you're doing. Um, isolation, I just think, is is detrimental to our society, honestly. That's just... Mm-hmm. just well, you don't have a society if everyone's isolated. Right, exactly. That's <laughs> like, exactly right. What's yeah. the definition of community? We we all go, we live in our homes, and then we get in our cars, in our garages, drive out, go to the store. I mean, where's the community involvement? And that's where I think a lot of people have stopped what I call social, investing for social resources. And now they're just finding, well, we have mental health, we're less satisfied with life, we're less satisfied with society. That's where I think we really come. His name is Aaron Shelley. The book is called The Family Flywheel, The Secret Business Principles Successful Families Use to Create Sustained Wealth and Happiness. Uh, you're just getting a taste uh, on a new direction. You're listening to him. We'll be right back right after this. Hey, folks, Epic Physical Therapy Facility offers the most advanced top-of-the-line equipment 
Things like the Alter G anti-gravity treadmill, the Normatec compression sleeves, my frame, my favorite, the Game Ready ice and compression all at the same time. It's awesome. The Train is certified most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available like blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping. It's just a few. Listen, when you're ready for your epic relief, your epic recovery, your epic results, don't look any further. Go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors for more than 38 years. Uh, they have been helping the world. And you go, well, are they located all over? No, 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 no. It's just that they're independently in, independently operated and owned. They do not belong to a national company. And so they've been able to connect with the best real estate professionals in your area, regardless of what who they work for. And it's because of those relationships that they really take it very seriously of who is going to work with you to make sure that they fulfill your needs. Okay? Not, not just try to sell you a home they want to say. It's the home that you need for your family. All right, so listen, when you're ready to work with the legends of customer service, start with Linda Craft Team Realtors. That's lindacraft.com. It's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here with uh, Aaron Shelley and his book, The Family Flywheel. And uh, are you enjoying this? Because I'm having a really good time with you on this whole thing. I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation. Uh, hope you are, Aaron. Um, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. Oh, good. I, well, I'm glad. I, I, I'm, I'm glad. I was a little worried there when you didn't say that you were saying anything. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe he's not having a good time with you know on the show. But uh, um, no, I'm having a great time talking through this uh, on you with you as well. Um, let's talk about how the wealthy build financial wealth, and you talk about financial resources, right? Uh, but it's bigger than that because you've de- redefined wealth in, in a variety of different ways. So let's talk about how do the wealthy build financial wealth? What is it that it takes to make that successful? Well, I think if the story of Bill Gates, which I talk about in there, where his dad was a lawyer, his mom was a school teacher, right? Then his mom had children, stopped school teaching, focused on the family, right? So she stopped, she started investing in her, the human, in her children and in their social relationships. And then once they got older, then she started to invest in the community. She was on the board of the University of Washington, and then she was on the board of United Way. Well, her service in those positions happened to get her in contact through United Way with the CEO of IBM. Well, that was then a very important connection for Bill Gates to have to sell Microsoft to, right? That was their first big thing. So you look at this and you go, did his mom know that that was going to be a relationship that could have accounted for 50 to $100 billion of Bill Gates' wealth? <laughs> no, she didn't know that. And that's the whole thing with social connections, right? You're investing in other people, not with the expectation that you are going to get something in return, but just serving other people. And that's where I think if you look at this holistically, they got a massive financial return, but it wasn't because all they were focused on is money. If that's all it was, then they would have been like, okay, he's working as a lawyer. My kids are out of the house. I'm going to go back and be a school teacher. Mm. Right? So it's being more holistic. And the number of people who are like, I mean, my last job I got, cause I knew this guy from, and we talked at church and he was just like, we would always talking business and how it's going. And then he was like, Hey, I got this opportunity. You want to do it? And I'm like, sure. Mm. But it was, and he had, he'd actually come over to my help, my house and help me take out some trees earlier. So it's like just different service opportunities that build these relationships. Mm. And who do you want to do business with? People, you know, people you trust, people you already kind of have felt, felt through, you know, figured out how that relationship's going to go. Yeah. And so that's where I think if you look at rich people, I mean, even look at Elon Musk, he's like, I want to buy Twitter. I'm going to go talk to my friends. <laughs> and they're like, great, we're going to put everything together. Here's the money. 
right? It's like his relationships are what's super important. Not, I mean, he's freaking intelligent, got tons of money, but it's also his ability to get people um, to work with him. Right. And so that's where I think it's not this overly focused. You know, when people are like, we're going to be a dual income household and we're just focusing on maximizing money. And I, and I kind of saw this in myself. That's partially when I was going through the model. I'm like, wait a sec, I'm working. My wife's doing Irish dance. Are we investing enough in our community and in these other relationships? Mm. And so I upped my own social relationships, you know, investing. And so that's where I see it as it's not singular investing, right? You can't just be like, I'm just going to invest in myself. I'm just going to read hundreds of thousands of books. Okay. <laughs> no one knows you've read them. You have no friends and you have no money. You're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's the, that's the area that I think it's, how does a business get rich? It gets some, it gets some capital from people because of those social connections often. And then it takes that money and it hires people. Now they have more human resources. And then it takes that money and builds a product right now. It has this financial resource, what I'd call their, you know, they have their product. Now they take that and try to sell it. Well, they need marketing people. So let's hire some marketing people. Like this is not a singular like, oh, I just did this one thing and I'm just focused on money. You have to build a company and companies have people and you need the different skill sets and that takes money. So it's this whole flywheel effect. That's why I call it the flywheel. These are things that feed off each other. Once you have money and relationships, then you can all of a sudden do different things. But if you have no money in relationships, you can do some things. So what is, so I'm going to move on to the next chapter because you got, you got a chapter here that's called the family business model, the secret sauce of wealth. You know, whenever Aaron, whenever an author like you gives me a phrase of secret sauce, okay, you know, that's going to be a question that, that people are going to want to ask, right? Cause I mean, okay. Admittedly, it may be a little bit of clickbait, but it really does work well, uh, honestly. So what is the secret sauce of the, of, 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 of the, that affects that of, of the secret sauce of a company or a family? What is that secret sauce? Well, th that's why I say it's, it's really that engine. It's really that, what is your strategy, structure and culture and getting those things aligned? That is the secret of Google. That's what made the money. That's what made it so that now it has so many people. It wasn't the money itself. It wasn't just the relationships. It's this comp it's, that is the thing of the decision-making process. Let's say I give you, all right, you know, Jay, here's, here's a billion dollars. And you're like, I don't know what to do with it. Right. But if I give Elon Musk or I give someone else, they could take that billion. I mean, if you look in the book, I talk about Elon Musk took, started with nothing. Then he did his PayPal exit, ended up with like 22 million or something. Then he took that 22 million and now he's moved it to 200 billion. Like that guy knows how to use money. Right. But if you look at so many poor people, I think they just don't have a business model. It's like, okay, I give you money. What do you do with it? Right. Do you use it in a way that's going to have some flywheel effect? No. Did you right. go buy books? Did you go buy this? Did you go invest in your community? No, you went and just, oh, I went and got alcohol or drugs. Mm. Well, there's no way for this flywheel to even get started, right? Mm. I put a little, it's like I kind of try to roll the, the wheel and then it just stops and then I roll it and then it stops and there's no flywheel effect. And I mean, I think if you had a, a restaurant in your community, no one likes to go there. The food sucks. Mm. You sit there and be like, you know what that restaurant needs? It needs better marketing and it needs, you know, more money. Mm. No, no one wants to go there. Right. Solve the business model problem. Right. And then it'll, then it'll create the money. Yeah. Like imagine if I gave you a McDonald's, but I didn't give you any of the training, any of the marketing, any of the resources, it would just go under. Right. And that's where I think in families, it's like, what is your business model? And if you as an individual don't know what yours is, and you as a family don't know what it is, 
then you can sit there and be like, man, if I had a million dollars, if I had $10 million, right. there's a reason you don't have it because your engine sucks. Right. If I took Bill Gates, all of Bill Gates' money or all of Elon Musk's money away, right? what is it? A matter of uh, you know five, 10 years and all of a sudden they're back up to at least right. millions of dollars. Right, right. And so that's where I look at it like this is not about the resources. Everyone focuses. Poor people, why are they poor? Because they don't have resources. Well, why don't they have resources? Because they don't know how to generate them, mm. right? I mean, it's it's super simple. Why don't you have social connections? Well, because you treat people like crap. Right. Why, right. why aren't you physically in shape? Because you don't invest your time in it. Right. If you, if you take your time and your money and you would buy a Netflix Netflix subscription and sit on your butt, right? That's where I say you're not getting a profit out of that. You're not making a gain. You're just getting a loss. There's nothing to start that flywheel going. Right. And that's just where you see entrepreneurs, especially, you know, in the podcasting world, you see it where I've watched people like they start from nothing and then they just keep going and then they slowly get viewership and then it slowly builds and then it slowly builds because they keep pushing and they get better at podcasting. They yeah. develop better skills. They develop better editing. They develop better network. Yeah. They work on their marketing. And then you're sitting there like, how the freak did this guy get this? Met? Now he's at, you know, 10 million subscribers. Right. right. It wasn't overnight. No, it was, it was the slow perpetual pushing on this and working, not just like, I just want money, like go monetize your podcast when you have no listeners. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not easy. Trust me. It's, it's not easy. Uh, I, I I'm, I'm living proof, man. It's not, it's not easy um, to do this. Uh, you, you have to invest in it and you have to invest in, in getting better at the skills. You have to invest in better getting better at all of those things that you mentioned, editing, marketing, all of it, and you have to do it. And oftentimes you're doing it by yourself. And so you have to learn how to become more efficient and effective and you have to learn tips and tricks. And so uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's really true. Uh, the one thing that you just said is, you know, how many lottery winners have we seen go broke? Right. Well, and even if they don't, it's not like they really, there's some that'll invest it and like, but they don't know what to do with the money. Right. Most poor people, you give them 10, you give them a million dollars. They don't know what they don't have an engine to put it into. Right. So it just goes into a loss. You see it with the NBA players, you know, they'll get yeah. these massive contracts or NFL players. Yes. And you're just like, you don't know what to do with money, even though now you have it. And then, so what's going to happen? It's just going to disappear yeah. instead of like Elon Musk. Oh, you can now use that and freaking develop those relationships and right. keep pushing and developing, you know, He's such a freak. And I mean, I'm an engineer, so I have to love him, right? I mean, right. we're going to space and we have electric cars. <laughs> right, right. And so it's like, he is so awesome, but you know, he knows how to use money. He knows how to use his time. I don't think personally I could live that, you know, like he's working like hundreds of hours yes. a week. He sleeps in his stuff. I value my relationships with my family a little more. Right, right. So, I mean, there's so much to appreciate, but I'm like his business model, as much as I love it, wouldn't work for me. Right. You so know, that's that's where I have to look at it and be honest. You, you know what? We've done an hour. Um, it's gone by really, really fast. Tell people how they get a hold of you. Yeah, so I have a website, thefamilyflywheel.com. I can also be found on Facebook and Twitter, Aaron K. Shelley, or Facebook and LinkedIn, I guess Twitter as well, but I don't do much there. So those are the main ways. And if you want to email me, Aaron at thefamilyflywheel.com. I love... I love business. I love family. And to me, this is like this really cool overlap. So if there's anything I can do for people, I'd love to hear from you. So what you just heard, folks, is that he's not on X very much. 
Sorry. Uh, I don't, no, I don't I, even know what it is. What is tweeting now? I, it's, it's exhaling. It's exhaling. Well, that's, it? that's what I'm calling it. We're exhaling now is what I'm calling it. You've been great. Stay with me, Aaron. Hey, folks, that's the show. You know what I say to you every week, right? You're in control of three things in your life, regardless of your circumstances, your attitude, your effort, and your resiliency. Look, I know things can be tough out there. I get it, right? But here's the thing. You choose your attitude. You choose your effort. That's your excellence on any given day. And you choose resiliency. We all get punched in the mouth now and then. It's up to you to get back up. All right? So take advantage of it. I'll be back next week with another great guest. It's going to be another great book, which means it's absolutely going to be another great show. As I say to you, you know what? You had a lot of choices. You chose us. Thank you so much. Give us a positive review. Give us a thumbs up on, on uh, YouTube. And as I say to you all over the world, you know what that is. Ciao. different way, yeah, the time has come, your dreams will take you places you have never been before, find your passion, find your strength, don't worry anymore, a new direction.